All right, well, the premise of this book and this study that we're doing is prayer. And so we're talking about prayer, but not just talking about prayer. We're actually learning that we need to be very strategic in our prayer lives because the enemy is strategic in his attacks against us. And so this study really points out 10 different areas where the enemy is specifically and especially strategic toward women. And so, so far, we have talked about several of those areas. We have talked about our passion because who knows, the enemy would love to wipe out our passion for God, our passion for the things of God, our passion to pray. If he can do that, he can definitely hinder our lives. And so we need to recognize these areas where he attacks because it's so subtle. And we just find ourselves one day down the road just feeling so complacent and we don't realize that there has been this strategic attack against our passion happening for a while. So we're talking about these things so that we can recognize how he works and so that we can stand up and not let him just be the strategic one, but we become the ones who are strategic against him in prayer, refusing to let him gain any ground in these areas of our life. So we talked about passion, we talked about our focus, our identity. How many of you know he likes to distract our focus? Yeah, he, he, you know he likes to attack our identity? If he can get us to doubt who we are in Christ and the authority that we really have, we're not going to take that authority in prayer. Last week, Maureen shared with us the area of our family, that he wants to attack our families, but we need to be women who will rise up and be strategic in praying for our families. And today, the area we're going to talk about is our past, because the enemy would love to just replay the movie of our past over and over and over and over again in order to prevent us from going forward in life. Anybody ever been there? Anybody seen that movie of your past replaying over and over? I want to tell you, it is time to end the reign of guilt, shame, hurt, condemnation, and regret in our lives. And today, I want us to notice five truths about our past, okay? Now, some of these things are going to be recognizing how the enemy works. And I want to just say up front today that we're not talking about his schemes and his strategies to glorify him. No, we're talking about it because as women of God, we need to be aware we need to understand how he works. We don't need to be blind to his tactics and live with our, our head in a hole in the ground. We need, there's another expression for that, but I can't think what it is. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to be aware of his tactics so we can be strategic against him and so that he will not gain ground in our lives, okay? So that's why we're talking about that. But we're also going to be looking at what God says, what God says about our past, okay? So the first of the five truths about our past that we're going to look at today is that we just have to realize that replaying our past is a strategy of the enemy against us. When that movie starts playing, you need to know 
That is not just because there's nothing else to go around up here. No, it is a strategy of the enemy against you. And, you know, as we each week talk about these areas where he strategically comes against us, we always want to stop and understand why he would want to come against that area of our life. And Priscilla Shire, in our book, explains it like this. She says, if I were your enemy, I'd constantly remind you of your past mistakes and poor choices. I'd want to keep you burdened by shame and guilt in hopes that you'll feel incapacitated by your many failings and see no point in even trying again. I'd work to convince you that you've had your chance and blown it and that your God may be able to forgive some people for some things, but not you, not for this. Now, when you hear it that way, doesn't it make sense why the enemy would want to be strategic in attacking us in regards to our past. He wants to burden and incapacitate us. Do you know that? He wants to incapacitate you. He wants to keep you paralyzed where you are so that you won't move forward into the future that God has for you. He wants you to be chained to the guilt and shame of your past. He wants you to be chained to the hurt of your past so that you will never approach God in prayer because you feel too ashamed, too unworthy, too convinced that God is disappointed with you that he would ever even consider answering your prayer. So why even bother praying? And I want to tell you today, if you are here and you are feeling like this, you need to know that this is a demonic and personal attack because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus okay so we need to recognize that when that past keeps coming up and replaying over and over that is a strategy of the enemy okay second thing I want us to notice is that this strategy of the enemy is intended to wipe out our prayer life and our future. You see, the Bible says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person will avail much. However, fervent prayer will not exist in the life of someone who is too ashamed to go to God in prayer, right? So think about this with me. Remember, Satan wants to get us to beat ourselves up over and over again. I must be a failure. I am such a bad Christian. And if he can get us to buy into those thoughts, what's the result? We'll stop praying. We'll stop praying. We'll stop coming to God. He wants to get us to think, I had my chance. I blew it. God will never use me now. What's the result? We'll pull away from God. We'll stop praying. The enemy wants to get us to think, well, God may forgive others, but he could never forgive me. What's the result? We'll be bound in shame that prevents us from coming to God in prayer. 
And if we're not praying, ladies, remember, prayer is talking to God. It's having communication, which is the basis of any relationship, right? If we're not praying, how will we ever grow in relationship with him? How will we know his plans and his purposes for our lives? How will we walk into the future that he created us to live? If the enemy can keep us from praying, from coming to God, he knows that he can derail us from the future that God has for us. And I do not want to be derailed from the future God has for me. How about you? All right. So we've got to understand not only is this a strategy of the enemy, but we need to see why it's a strategy of the enemy. He wants to destroy our prayer life and as a result, our future. Okay, the third thing I want us to look at and understand is that the enemy does not want it to be easy for us to let go of our past. He's going to make it as hard as possible. And he does this in so many different ways. But today, I just want to talk about two of these ways that I hear so often in talking with women. And one is that he tries to convince us that just because our past really happened, we can never be free from it. We can never detach from it. So often I hear women say, how do I move forward? Because these things in my past, they're still true. They still happened. I still did these things. Or these things were still done to me, and I'm still dealing with the hurt and the pain as a result of it. I want to tell you right now that God does not want us to live in denial. Okay? That's not what this is all about but he does want to bring forgiveness healing and freedom so that we can move forward from the past forward into the future that God has for us ladies we all have a past we all have things that we wish we hadn't done that we regret that we could carry guilt and shame over we all have events in life that actually happened maybe things that were done to us that were beyond our control but I want to tell you today we do not have to live chained to the past God does not want us to live chained to the past even though those things actually happened we don't have to be chained to them any longer, okay? And another thing the enemy does to make it really difficult for us to break free from our past is that he tries to confuse us so that we don't know if we're hearing his voice or the voice of God. Anybody ever felt confused and wondered, God, is this your voice? Is this the enemy's voice? What am I hearing? Whose voice is this? He loves to bring confusion to us. But today, I want to help you out, okay? I want to tell you how you know whose voice you're hearing so that we never, ever have to wonder again. I want us to have clarity on this and be sure that we are hearing the voice of God and how to know his voice, how to know the enemy's voice, okay? So... If you feel like you're in that place today of confusion and whose voice am I hearing, get out your paper, your pen, your what phone, whatever you take notes on. 
But if you're not in that place today, get out your paper, your pen, your notebook, your phone, whatever you take notes on, because you may find yourself there down the road, okay? And these are things that will really help us. Okay. First of all, how do we know if we're hearing the voice of the enemy? Revelation 12.10 says that Satan is the full-time accuser. That's what he does. An accuser condemns. An accuser beats you up. So if you are feeling condemned, you need to know right now that that is not God. Okay? The enemy loves to get us bound up in condemnation. And then he continues to lie to us and gets us to believe that God is mad at us. That God wouldn't want anything to do with us. That God could never use us. But remember what John 8, says. It says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. That's what he does. So how do you know if it's a lie? I'll tell you. Does it line up with the word of God? This is why it's so important, ladies, that we know the word, that we're in the word. We're reading the word for ourselves. We need to know what it says because that's how we know with what, if what we're hearing is the voice of the enemy or the voice of God. Does it line up with the word of God? Because the enemy's a liar and it won't line up with the word of God. And we see in the word, when Jesus was in the wilderness, the enemy used the word to tempt him. Okay, the enemy knows the word. We should know the word, okay? But if the enemy uses the word, he's going to twist it for his purposes. So we need to go to the word and see exactly what it says, see exactly what that context is, and be able to say, no way, enemy. And be able to bring the word back at him just like Jesus did in the wilderness, okay? We need to know the word because the enemy, he will twist it and whatever he says, it will not line up with the truth of God's word. Does that make sense? Okay, so we've got to understand that he is the accuser, he is the condemner, and he is the liar. That's how you will know the voice of the enemy, okay? Are you being beat up? Are you being condemned? Do the thoughts not match up with the word? Then it's the voice of the enemy, end of subject. Got it? Okay. Now, how do we know the voice of God? If we are going to be free from our past, it is imperative that we know and listen to the voice of God. You see, instead of condemning us like the enemy does, John 16, 8 says that God convicts us by the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to understand that there is a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is to beat us up. But John 3, 17 says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But through him we might be saved. Okay, God doesn't bring condemnation. He brings conviction. And conviction is very different. Conviction is to draw us closer to Jesus. It literally means to bring to light and to bring correction. Conviction lovingly 
points us to God to receive his grace, his healing, and his freedom. So, if the voice you're listening to is drawing you closer to Jesus, you will know that it is the voice of God. Okay? So he lovingly convicts us to draw us closer to Jesus. The second thing about the voice of God is that the voice of God is the voice of forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, when we bring it to God, when we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It's done. We confess, he forgives. So why do we go back and keep picking it up over and over and over again? We need to recognize that he forgives us. Do you know what repentance really means? Repentance is not crying a hundred buckets of tears. Repentance literally means to Bring it to God and then to turn from that and start going in the right direction. Start walking in the direction God wants us to go. To bring the sin, to bring the shame, to bring the hurt, all of that to God. To lay it at his feet, receive his forgiveness and then turn and walk in that forgiveness. Stop walking in the shame. Stop walking in the hurt. Turn and go in the right direction. Okay? We can do that. Because we're forgiven. We need to understand that we are forgiven. And the voice of God is a voice of forgiveness. But when we continue to push away his forgiveness, we're pushing away his voice in our lives. The next thing I want us to see is that the voice of God is the voice of grace and mercy. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says that his grace is sufficient for us. In Lamentations 3.23, it says that his mercies are new every morning. Ladies, he gives us a clean slate. He wipes the slate clean. That is good news. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43.25. It says, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He blots them out. For his own sake. Have you ever noticed that before? For his sake. So that he can use us to fulfill his plans and his purposes on the earth. So that our life can bring glory and honor to him. He wants to use us. That's why he blots them out and says, okay, sweetheart, come on. Now I've got things for you to do. So that I can be seen through you. So you can help fulfill my purposes. So we've got to stop holding on to those things. He is a voice of grace and mercy. And then the voice of God is the voice of the father teaching his child. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, 5 through 7. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one as, each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? 
Ladies, he is our loving, heavenly father who teaches us so that we will become more and more like Jesus. We need to spend time in his word because he teaches us by speaking to us through his word. He wants to build our lives, not to tear us down, not to beat us up. I remember one time, my, uh, I think I was in my early 20s, and I remember God just brought something to my attention where I needed to make an adjustment in my life. And, and when it came to my attention, I immediately felt like a failure. Oh my gosh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I've disappointed you. I, I, and then, see, because when God brings something, the enemy's going to be right there to try to beat us up. So for a few minutes, I was listening. I heard from God that I needed to make this adjustment, but then I was over here listening to the enemy and beating myself up and feeling like such a failure. But then I got out my Bible. And I started reading, and I happened to come across those scriptures that we just read. And I have to tell you, I remember it so vividly. It was like this rush just washed over me with this revelation. Oh, God, you're not mad at me. You actually love me. That's why you showed me this, so that you can help me, so that I can grow, so that I can become more and more like Jesus. Ladies, when he points things out to us, it's never to beat us up. It's always to help us grow. He's our father teaching us as his own child because that's what we are. We are his daughters, and he wants to teach us and train us, okay? And then the voice of God is the voice of the healer to the brokenhearted. In Psalm 147, verse 3, it says, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Ladies, he sees the pain you've walked through. He sees the hurt you've carried. And he wants to pour his healing power into your lives. So is the voice you're listening to bringing healing or is it rehashing things to keep you bound in pain, to keep that hurt alive? We need to stop and ask ourselves that question. Then we'll know what voice we're listening to. We need to be listening to the voice that brings healing. Amen? Another thing, the voice of God is the voice of your future. Because where the enemy wants to keep us chained to the past... God wants us to move forward into the future that he has for us. We know the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The enemy wants to keep us hopeless. But God says, oh, no, 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 no. Be full of hope. Be full of hope because I have a great future ahead for you. Ladies, he wants to bring us out of our past so that it will be a testimony of his greatness that will help others and set others free. He wants to bring us through on the other side so free, so healed, so whole that people will see and say, only God could have done that. Have you ever seen people, and it just seems like 
wow, they've lived a really hard life. It's just all over them. It's like you can see the scars of their life all over them. You've met people like that? But then, like me, you've probably also met people who you sit down with them and you hear their story and you're in utter shock. You walked through that? You, you walked through that? And you walked through that? And there is no trace of it on you. Like, I would have never, ever known any of that by looking at you because your countenance is so glowing. You radiate from the inside. Jesus is so evident in you. You see, that's what God does. Only God can do that. And that's what he wants to do with our lives so that they're a testimony that brings glory and honor to him. When we listen to the voice of God, this is what we'll find. We'll find his loving conviction, which is for our benefit. We'll walk in his forgiveness. We'll walk in his grace and mercy. We'll allow him to teach us. We'll allow him to heal us. And we'll allow him to lead us into the purpose-filled future that he has already prepared for us. You see, because listening to the voice of God is just not a one-time thing. Just, oh, we got in our prayer closet and, oh, I heard God's voice. Okay, done. No, we do that regularly, continually, every day. And then when we're continually listening to his voice, we're continually receiving from him, being trained by him, and being led into all that he has for us. So the big question today is whose voice is louder in your life. Whose voice are you listening to? It is time to stop listening to the voice of the enemy and start listening to the voice of God. Now we know how to recognize it. Now we know how to tell the difference. When the voice of the enemy comes, what are you going to do? You're going to listen. You're going to, oh, I know. I blew it. I'm a failure. No, you're not going to do that because you're women of God and you are going to be strategic against the enemy, right? And so you're going to say, no way, no way, devil, I am not going there. That is a lie that does not line up with the word of God. My father says there is therefore now no condemnation. I will not live in shame. I will not watch that movie of my past replaying over and over and over. Amen? All right. The fourth truth about our past that I want us to see is that with God, your past does not dictate your future. So maybe you're sitting here today and you've heard that he forgives, that he extends grace and mercy, that he wipes the slate clean, that he has a plan and purpose for you, but you're still sitting there thinking, yeah, but I don't know if God will really use me. Okay, so now can I go one step further and prove it to you? Let me prove to you that God wants to use you and that your past does not dictate your future. Remember Noah, the guy who saved the human race? He was a drunk. Jacob, he was a liar, a deceiver. Joseph, he'd been abused. Moses, he was a murderer. Gideon, He was bound by fear. Rahab, she was a prostitute. David, 
He was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah, he battled depression and was suicidal. Jonah, he ran from God and battled with pride. Peter, he cut off a guy's ear and then he denied Christ three times, even after Jesus himself warned him that he would do that. And he responded to Jesus himself telling him he would never do that. <laughs> All of the disciples fell asleep while praying. You are not the only one who's ever fallen asleep praying. <laughs> and then they ran away when Jesus really needed them. Paul. He persecuted, violently persecuted, and killed Christians. Martha, she worried about everything. Queen Esther, she'd been an orphan. The Samaritan woman, she had five husbands, and the one that she was now living with was a man who she was not married to. Mary Magdalene, she had been demon-possessed. Are you getting the point? And you see, these are not just, oh yeah, well, they were just kind of named in the Bible. No, these are people who did very significant things for God, brought glory to him. God used their lives. He used all of them in very significant ways. And he wants to use you in very significant ways regardless of your past. Now, maybe you're still thinking, yeah, well, you know, they're Bible characters. So that's different. They are real people who were named in the Bible. Do you know why? Because despite their sin, despite their failures, their shortcomings, their hurts, things that have been done to them out of their control, they chose to allow God to use them. They had to make a choice, and so do we. I had to make a choice. I found myself in a place in life where I was rejected, abandoned, devastated, hurt beyond words. And I wanted to hold on to that hurt. I wanted to hold on to that unforgiveness because, frankly, I felt justified in holding on to that. But I knew that it was only going to sabotage my future, that it was only going to keep me chained to my past and I had to make a choice to let go of it all to forgive so that I could walk forward into the future that God had for me I've made mistakes I'm not perfect I know you all think I am but I <laughs> I've made mistakes I've done things I've regretted I've had to let those things go lay them at the feet of Jesus receive his forgiveness I've had to make a choice. We all have to make the choice. And you know one thing I've learned is that the bottom line question is who is Lord of our lives? Now in this lovely church setting where we're all here looking pretty and smiling, it's easy to say Jesus is Lord of my life. Okay? But whose voice are you listening to? Do you know what Lord means? It means boss. It means ruler. And whoever's voice we listen to the most is the one who rules our life. So are you going to let the enemy rule your life? 
or are you going to let God rule your life? You see, we can let our past be the tomb where we die, or we can let it be the monument that shouts the praise, the glory, the power of God. God wants us to be the ones who are victorious, who are not living as victims, who are not living tied to shame, tied to anything of our past. He wants our lives to be the ones that stand on that past as a victor, declaring his greatness, showing off his greatness that will lead others to him and help others find freedom in him as well. But the choice is ours. Our past does not have to dictate our future. God does not want it to. And the last thing I want us to notice is that now that we know all that, that's great. But we need to start getting strategic. Fifth thing is it's time to be strategic against the enemy regarding our past. He's been strategic against us long enough. Our strategy against the enemy so that he will not keep us bound to our past is in prayer. And as we've been going through this study, each week as we're talking about these different areas where the enemy is strategic against us, when it comes down to our strategy against him in that area, it's always found in prayer. And each week we talk about these elements of prayer that are our strategy against him. First of all, we need to be women who set a time to pray. And it's so easy to say, well, I pray all throughout the day, and I'm folding the laundry, and I'm going here, and I'm cleaning the house, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's great. We should do that. We should be in communication with God all the time. But when you're folding the laundry, and the TV's on, and the kids are screaming, and this, I bet you that you are praying the prayers like, God, help the kids fall asleep easy. God, <laughs> whatever you pray. They're darling. They're a heritage from the Lord. <laughs> but we're usually praying those short, God, help me with this. God, take care of this. God, I need this. God, help so-and-so. Those kinds of prayers, which are great. But we also need to set aside time for strategic prayer. When we are coming to God with the word, praying the word over our lives. And that's the second thing. We set an, a time to pray, and we keep it regardless of how we feel. Secondly, we pray the word. And at the end of each chapter in this book, we have it also in the prayer journals. And for those of you who don't have either one, we put up on the screens at the end of each study scriptures that we can be praying over our lives for these specific areas. So today, we're going to have scriptures up there that we can be praying over our lives in regards to our past. The word is powerful. We need to be praying the word over our lives. And then thirdly, we need to be writing out our prayers. I love that because I've not done that too much in the past. Like I've journaled or I've written out God's promises. But writing out the prayers like it asks us to do in this book is such an amazing tool. You know why I love it? Because we all have our go-to scriptures that we know that we can quote off the top of our head, that we can pray. But when we write out our prayers, 
We can take time to go dig out other scriptures and to pack our prayers full of the word. Scriptures that may not have, have normally come up to the top of our heads. And we can pack it so full of the word. And then when we read those prayers, not just to read them or recite them, but to powerfully pray them, they will be powerful because they're packed full of God's word. And it gets his word and more of his word even deeper in our hearts. So I love that. And then as has given us as an example in our study here, We've been using the acronym PRAY as a format for our prayers, where P stands for praise. We start with praise, and then R for repentance, and then A for asking, and Y for yes, because we bring ourselves into agreement with God's word, and we declare his word over our lives. And I just want to tell you today that this is not some cute little formula for prayer. This is actually the example that we're given in the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the format of the Lord's Prayer. So this is a very scriptural thing that we're applying to our lives. And each week, as we're going through this study, whoever's teaching closes by praying the prayer that they have written to provide an example and something that we can all wrap our hearts around and pray together and declare the word over our lives together. But before I share my prayer with you today, I really want to pray for you. And as I was preparing for today, I just feel so strongly that the Spirit of God wants to break the chains that have held you to the past off of your life. And whatever that is, maybe you've been bound to hurt. Maybe you've been holding on to unforgiveness for things that have happened out of your control. I want you to know that as long as you're holding on to it, you won't move forward into what God has for you. It's time to let go. The only one it's hurting is you. And I want to pray for you today, if that's you. And I believe that the Spirit of God is going to help you. And as you make that choice, there will be a beautiful exchange of you laying that at the feet of God and Him pouring His healing and His freedom into your life. But I also want to pray for those of you who have been bound to shame and guilt over things that have been done in your lives, things that you've done, things that you don't want anybody to know about, things that you think are just pushed down and, and, and just not even there because you just don't bring them up, but yet they replay over and over in your mind. They affect how you come to God. Right now, today, God wants to bring freedom. He wants to break the chains that have held you bound to that shame, that condemnation, the guilt, the sin of the past. Okay? Whatever it is. Last week, we mentioned abortion. And that God wanted to bring freedom to people who had been bound in, in the shame of having had an abortion. Afterwards, last week, I talked with a woman who told me a story that 
When she was young, she had had an abortion. And she lived under the cloud of shame and guilt for 18 years. But then one day, she was in a church service where they prayed for freedom from the past, freedom from the shame of abortion. And she said in that instant, she found God's freedom and deliverance. And 23 plus years later, she is still free. And she said she has been free every day since. See, that's what God can do. That's what God wants to do, and that is what God is here today to do. He wants to break the chains of the bondage to the past in our lives so that we can move forward in what he has. And I, as I pray for you, you know what I want to do? Can we all just stand in this place today? Because I know in my heart that God is going to bring freedom in people's lives today. And I just want to ask everybody in this place, just to lift your hands to heaven. And maybe that's you that we're praying for. You want to be free from the hurt and unforgiveness of things done to you. You want to be free from the shame and the guilt of things you've done. Either case, just lift your hands to heaven and, and allow him to pour his healing and his freedom and his forgiveness into your life. And maybe you're saying, that's great, but I'm not dealing with that today. I have found freedom Awesome. I want you to lift your hands to heaven and be praying for freedom for others in this place today. And Father, we come before you right now. And God, I thank you that there is freedom in you, God. And Father, these are your daughters. They are precious. They are valuable to you. And Father... I know what my heart is doing and my heart is breaking because I don't want to see anyone tied to their past a moment longer. I want to see them fulfill all that you have for them. So God, I know that your heart breaks far more than mine. And God, I am asking right now that they would make the determination in their hearts that once and for all they're going to be free. They're going to let go of it. They're going to stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Father, I pray all across this place right now that women would begin just giving it to you, giving you the hurt, giving you the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, the hatred, all of it, just laying it at your feet. And God, I pray right now that you would pour your healing power deep into their hearts, into the core of their being, God, that they would receive healing and freedom like never, ever before. God, that that hurt would not be rehashed over and over, but God, they would refuse to let it be brought up again, and they would walk from this day forward in your complete freedom in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for those in this place who have been tied to the guilt and the shame of things that they have done in the past. God, whether it's like our sister that I shared about who had had the abortion, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's addiction, whatever it is, Father, you forgive. You forgive. You are our forgiving God, our loving Heavenly Father. And God, I pray right now that they would lay those things at your feet. And from this moment forward, once and for all, they would choose to never pick it back up again. They would choose to be free from the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. They would have a revelation.
salvation in this moment, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And they would recognize they are in Christ Jesus, that you are Lord of their lives, and they can live in complete and total freedom. Thank you, Father, for breaking the chains of bondage now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for moving and working and pouring your freedom into their hearts and their lives from this day forward. Thank you, God. We just lift our voices to you, and we thank you, and we praise you for freedom, healing, forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Oh, Father, I thank you that you're a loving, heavenly Father, and you have a great future ahead for us. We will walk in that. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Ladies, don't pick it up again. You're free. Okay? You're free from this day forward. You know what I want to do right now? As I told you, that I would share with you my prayer that I'd written for this area of our lives and our, our, um, my strategy in prayer against the enemy. And I want to share that with you in just a moment, but I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul said first. Remember in Philippians 3, he said, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Ladies, Christ Jesus has laid hold of you for something, for the future, the purpose for your life that he has prepared for you. And then he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. What is it? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? From this day forward, we're not going to keep holding on to the past. We can't reach for what's ahead if we're still holding on to what's behind. Let's be women who reach for what's ahead. Amen? All right. As I share my prayer that I've written in, and hope that you, if you haven't done it already as you read through the chapter this week, that you will write your prayer for this area of your life. That it will be a continual reminder of what the word of God says. That you'll continually walk in his freedom. Can we just together just wrap our hearts around this. And as I declare God's word over my life, just declare it over your life as well, okay? Just join me as I pray. Father, I praise you. And I thank you for the privilege of being your daughter. Thank you that you are my loving heavenly father who has forgiven me, who teaches and trains me because you love me. Thank you for your grace and your mercy which abound toward me continually. Thank you for healing the hurts of my past. Thank you that you continually walk me into the future which you've prepared for me. And right now, I repent for times that I've given in to my fleshly nature and done or said or thought things unpleasing to you. God, continually show me any areas of life where I need to make adjustments. Help me to be led and ruled by your spirit every day in my life. And today I ask that you would help me to live in your freedom 
to refuse to live in shame or pain, to refuse to carry hurt or unforgiveness. Help me to recognize every lie of the enemy that tries to lure me off track. Help me to clearly hear your voice and allow your voice to teach me and to lead me into the future you have ahead of me. And now, God, I put myself in agreement with your word. And I declare that I am free. Because John 8, 36 says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I declare that I am a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And I declare that now you will do a new thing in my life. Now it will spring forth according to Isaiah 43. And I will wait upon you, Lord, and believe that I will gain new strength. I will mount up with wings like eagles. I will run and not get tired. I will walk and not faint. This is your promise to me in Isaiah 40. Thank you that according to Psalm 40, you have lifted me up out of the pit and set my feet upon a rock. You've established my steps and put a new song in my heart that many will see and put their trust in you, God. And not only does Jeremiah 29, 11 tell me that you have a good future and hope for me, but Ephesians 2, 10 also tells me that you have already equipped me for every good work. Therefore, I declare that you have equipped me for the future which you have prepared for me. And I will walk into the fullness of all of your purposes for my life in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ladies, praying the word is powerful. I encourage you to, this week, write out your prayer and declare God's promises of freedom over your life, okay? And one last thing. We never like to have our gatherings here and not give an invitation if there's somebody here who doesn't have their own personal relationship with God. And maybe that's you, and maybe you think this is all so new to me. Maybe you didn't even know that God has a future and a hope for you, that he has purposes for your life. I want to tell you today he does. And we can enter a relationship with him simply through prayer by asking him to come and be the Lord of our lives, surrendering our lives to him, surrendering our way of independent living, and allowing him to be Lord boss and ruler of our lives. And when we do, he gives us the assurance that we can have relationship with him every day on this earth and forever in eternity in heaven with him. And so I want to lead us all in a prayer. And we, can we all pray this together? But if that's you, just wrap your heart around this prayer as we pray today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my father. That you love me and you sent Jesus to die for me. And right now I surrender my life to you. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And I choose to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Ladies, if that's you and you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we just have a little gift we'd love to give you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days that will just help you get started walking with God. And the table host at your table has that. Just let her know you committed your life to Christ today, and she'd love to give that to you, okay? Why don't you find your seats, and with we've got about 10 minutes remaining. In that time, I want you at your tables, if you haven't already met each other, introduced yourselves. 
but take a moment and talk about scriptures that you are going to start praying over your life to walk more fully in God's freedom. All right? Love you, ladies. See you next Tuesday.